Greetings. Welcome to the Optic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Chuck Randolph, Optic's Executive Director of Strategic Intelligence. From 30 years as a military officer to transforming corporate executive protection, event security, and intelligence services teams to function beyond their traditional roles, protection, risk management, intelligence, and threat mitigation have been front and center throughout my career. This podcast series will explore the turbulent world of risk, security, and protection through conversations with leaders and innovators in the field. Now, on to the discussion. Well, good morning, day two of GSX. Uh, this is the Ontic booth on Booth 3355. Today, I'm joined by Global Integrity Senior Vice President Don Sorter. Don, thanks for stopping by this morning to, to talk to me. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, no, I know we connected on LinkedIn and I've followed some of the stuff you've been putting out. And I know you guys have some exciting products that's, that, that, have, uh, that is launching today. I want to get to that. But I think it's interesting. You and I both had something in common. I think we've been coming to GSX forever. <laughs> it feels that way. I, I have my... Uh, quarter century uh, membership uh, sticker here. Well, (laughs) let me ask you a question. What's changed here for you? Uh, And what stayed the same? Oh, sure. Uh, Well, you know, the the biggest thing that's changed over the years is the technology in that cyber and physical are finally coming together. Yeah. And you see that more and more represented even on the floor here. Oh, absolutely. And then the partnership with organizations like Ifregard and and their um, Sunday workshop, uh, a lot of the the new vendors that are here, a lot of the vendors uh, who are using AI. uh, So to apply cyber to different physical security uh, problems, whether it's gunshot detection or identifying uh, weapons, um, it's it's amazing how it's changed. I, I, I think it's amazing. I mean, you're an old Navy you know, uh, electronic warfare, ELINT person. I'm an army IO person, which means you're probably 15 times smarter than I am. <laughs> but we were talking before while we were drinking some coffee before we turned the mics on, on the evolution of OSINT and its effects on the intelligence space, maintaining intellectual property. But you were telling a story about how it was back when you were in the Navy. Do you mind like restating that? Sure, sure. And the ships were not wooden, uh, but it was, it was, <laughs> it was a while ago. And well, the story I was telling it, and, and I remember this clear as day going through the Suez Canal and uh, I was on a, um, I guess you could call it a surveillance vessel and we were behind a Russian cruiser and we had a lieutenant on the bridge with a, what seemed to be a 36 inch telescopic lens on his SLR camera. And that was surveillance operations then. Today, uh, I follow a group on Twitter, uh, OSINT group, that has low orbital satellite images showing in real, well, I think in near real time, um, the war in Ukraine and the destruction of, of armament. Well, it's, it's amazing if you think about it, like you and I lived in a time when intelligence was pushed to us, whether in the military and the civilian side, you received a report, oftentimes it was paper, mimeographed, whatever, and you would get the intelligence and you make decisions based on that. And now, I mean, we, we are a telemetry point as well. I mean, the, the ability, the OSINT, the crowdsourcing, like you said, that here we have a lieutenant with a long range camera taking pictures of an opposing forces vessel. And now we don't need to worry about that. I mean, it's everywhere. We just have to grab the image and then have people look at it. I mean, it's, 
it's a fascinating and scary time to be in in the risk world, I think. Well, and it's almost like paradigm shift, I guess. Instead of attempting to discover, now we're in a position of attempting to hide. Oh, that's, in- that's actually very interesting. It is that s- slight nuance from where, look, we're actively, I don't want to say hunting because that gives a different type of connotation, but we're actively pursuing information to now we're actively trying to make sure that we can obfuscate ourselves from this swath of OSINT that's available. Exactly. And, and, and particularly in, in certain segments, if you will. Right. Uh, I mean, really not talking about, you know, a corporate IT type of environment, but when you get into environments like close protection um, or executive protection, however you want to approach right. it, um, or intellectual property or business decisions from corporations, uh, discovery of new technology or sciences right. that you want to protect. Um, with so much of that being discoverable, you have to come up with new ways to prevent that from being discovered. No, it's, it's, it's an interesting piece. And I, I automatically, I think of like the, the fusion of say, you know, electronic obfuscation, like we have an executive, we need to get their information off of the internet, but also like things like TSCM sweeps, like what are we also doing to make sure that we're still monitoring them? There's the bugs that maybe you're being planted or electronic eavesdropping things that we see, but also like the open source, like, hey, what what's what's on that person's phone? Who took, you know, we had a, who was it Elon Musk that paid that young man to, to take down the picture that he had of him on a plane, which makes him time, place predictable. I mean, such a more, I don't know that it's more complicated, but definitely more complex. And, you know, and it's interesting you brought up that example about Elon Musk, because that's been a problem for well over a decade, mm-hmm. um, a, a plane will land somewhere and yep. someone who's an aviation enthusiast will see the tail number. They'll put the tail number out there. Right. People all comment on it. It's got GPS coordinates on the photo. They'll know who was there when. And how do you, so, you know, again, back to, and by the way, once it's out there on the internet, it's out there. It's out there. It's backed up somewhere. It's going to come yeah, back. Absolutely. It's People like, have this, this, I, I think, misnomer that, hey, we've taken down the information. <laughs> you, you, it's going to pop up. It's like weeds. It's going to pop up again and again. You have to keep playing that whack-a-mole or maybe weeding the garden for that OSINT. You're absolutely right. We had a, we had a discussion, a meeting, a breakfast meeting I was in this morning on how to convince people uh, particularly those who might tend to tar- be a target, mm-hmm. that um, using social media, for example, might not be in their best interest, or purchasing a house in their name might not be in their best, best interest. And, and again, with the information, because once you put it out there, it can be discovered. But Don, how do you how do we live how do we live in a world where suddenly, like, if you're not on social media, that's weird. So now we have to find this balance for, say, executives or high net worth people or government officials, whatever, like you have to have a presence. So how do we or how do you as someone who's an SME and things like intellectual property, supply chain, information risk management, how do you advise these folks to find that balance? Well, in, in the case, you know, in case in point that we had discussed this morning was, you know, the person was told to basically have a cutout. You know, if, if they need to be on social media, if they need to interact with relatives or kids or whatever they need that for, don't do it as themselves. Right. Don't make themselves a target. And there's smart ways to do that. Sure. And, and there have been. 
Um, it takes effort. Not everyone wants to go through that effort. And how can, uh, well, let's flip the switch on that just for a second. Like, like to get your advice for just like Joe and Jane's six pack. You're like, okay, we have a high net worth individual. They have a executive protection team. They have Intel folks. They have people that are going to go out and help them. You know, and there's great partners out there that will help you pull information down and monitor it. Do you have any advice for like, I don't want to say common folks, but people like you and me who may not have those, that ability to have that group around us, what can we do? To, well, <laughs> in, in many cases, you know, the-, the Get the, off the net. Well, you know, in many cases, the cow, you know, the cows already, or horses, I guess is the metaphor. The, the horses yeah. have already left the barn. Could be I the mean, cow so, too. <laughs> yeah, so cow too. It's already out there. But but if it's not out there, um, be cautious on what you put out there. You know, it's, it's, it's just common sense. It, I don't put a sign out in front of my house that says, I'm out of town, I'm on vacation, come in and rob me. And so I don't go on to social media and say, by the way, here's a photo of me on the beach. Here's a photo of me somewhere. There's, there's very few common sense measures you can do. The other thing is, you know, is just think about, do I really need to do this? And why, this? why am I doing this? Yeah. Do I need to do it? Have I, you know, am I, have I made myself time, place, predictable? Should, maybe if you're on vacation, like, do I need to post this today? Maybe post it next week when I'm back home. Exactly. Look where I went. And, and again, then if you're a high net worth, if you're someone who might be, uh, or, uh, you know, in a company that's, uh, say, in the in the news and mm -hmm. people are upset with, um, do you really need to put anything out there and other transactions? You know, it's, it's not just social media. It, it's buying, buying an automobile, buying a car, anything we we do now is a public record. Right. You know, Don, how do you advise people to start? You know, it's like if I have a, you know, I'm a small business. I, you know, suddenly intellectual property is something that I'm starting to think more about. I might be in a sector that's being targeted by, say, uh, foreign actors. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, some foreign actors will actually state this, these are the technologies we're looking at. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, Don, I, you know, how do I approach protecting my intellectual property? How do I, I mean, where should I start? It seems pretty insurmountable. I don't even know. I don't even, you know, I don't even know where to start. How do you advise folks? Well, and, and, and again, you know, my company's focused on a a piece of that, if you will. Right. So we're, 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 we're focused on voice communications right. and messaging and video. Right. So one-to-one -one or a small group. And, and our advice in that area is to encrypt everything and, and protect it from third parties. Um, you know, if a small business, you know, with, with intellectual property, <laughs> it could be a long conversation because yeah. everything from threat management, do you really know your employees to, um, uh, there's probably some non-podcast stories with that, but, but, but you but, bring, actually, I think you bring up a good point. We, you know, we had somebody else on the podcast, uh, named Chuck Tobin, and we were talking about, you know, this idea of intelligence driven operations led threat informed. And it strikes me that it, it still works here which is, I think what you're urging people is like, look, you, there's not, you just don't go down and say, what's the intellectual property playbook? It's everything. Well, well, it is in, in today's world. And, uh, you know, we, we went through a period for many decades of trying to um, label intellectual property. Yeah, if you remember the red, the uh, the rainbow series, and there was the Bellapodula model for that, and then uh, I think in the '90s, IBM and HP and a few other companies had a a, a big data classification um, push. And and in today's world, there's so much data, and it comes so quickly, it makes that impractical. And so, 
because there's so much there and it's always changing. Uh, so so you, you, you have to step back and say, well, if it's impractical to really, if, if I'm able to identify all my information assets today right, at a point in time, and if I'm able to say which ones are critical and which ones are not, um, two minutes down the road, that's changed because I have a deal. I have a new product. I have some other technology. So how do I wrap what I'm doing? Yeah, absolutely. And, I, but make it flexible enough that it doesn't impede what I'm doing. I can continue to do what I'm doing. Do you think, and, and obviously, I mean, we're in a, we don't have crystal balls or anything like that, but do you think we're doing the right thing in terms of data governance at scale? I mean, I, you just said something that I think is interesting in terms of like, we have this push where we need to, we need to govern data. And I totally get that, you know, nation states want to do it. Where are you housing my data? What are we doing with it? How are you using it? But to your point, I think, are we chasing, you know, is the tail wagging the dog or are we, are we chasing it? And will we ever get ahead of it? Well, hard to tell without our crystal ball. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we, but again, I think we've gotten to the point where there's so much data that it's hard to really identify what we need and, and we need to put something around it. And as more and more what we do relies on information and not just information in databases, but information that controls, you know, process controller, satellites, right. the way we travel, the way we communicate. Um, we need to come up with smarter ways of wrapping up that information, right. going back to the beginning and keeping that out of the limelight, you know, protecting that from anyone else. I, I, just an interesting, I, well, I'll, say, I'll say interesting or fascinating problem, but I mean, it is, it is a problem and I think you're right. It's a concentric issue. Mm-hmm. It's like, I remember um, when, uh, you know, when I was in corporate America, this idea like, oh, cyber, we had a breach, we had a hack, you know, when will these things stop? And I was at a meeting and somebody was like, they'll never stop. And there was like a, I don't want to say a pregnant pause, but there was a long pause in which it was like, let that soak in, they'll never stop. So now we're going to be on this constant, like, you know, you know, point, counterpoint, assault, counter assault, defend, you know, all these, you know, like, and I think this is another thing maybe with yeah. data, like it, well, if you look at the history of it and I, and I'll probably date myself, uh, coming out <laughs> of the service, I was, I was working for the phone companies yep. and as a, as a young corporate security manager yep. and our problem was what we called then hackers. Well, a hacker then was, you had a central office which was still, in some cases, electromechanical, and they yep. generated a lot of heat. The engineers would leave the roof hatch open at night, even though they were told not to. 18, 17-year-old kids would go into the roof hatch, steal the manuals to memorize the manuals, yep. which is incredible, so they could get free phone calls or eavesdrop on anyone from the president on down. And that was computer crime and computer hacking. and. So it was more of a physical security yeah, it, problem. I think that's an interesting historical perspective, by the way, of the actual physical implications of a hack as it's evolved now. And if ever, anyone ever wants to know about that, there's a book that was published way back when called Out of the Inner Circle. Oh, yeah. And which is an excellent book about that time. Then you fast forward um, and, and, you know, the, the guys down at University of um, Illinois developed Mosaic. And now yep. we have a web browser yep. and now we have the web. And then we get into the whole follow the money. So we have ransomware, we have um, some famous financial institutions, so which I probably shouldn't mention, who've had money stolen yep. and, and others. 
Uh, and and we're, we're in this whole panic about, well, hackers are selling your credit card information, your banking information. And now we're here today in 2022, and it's while that's still there with us, and while the physical access is still with us, now we have information being used as a weapon with us. And yep. we have manipulation of information, um, whether, whether, you know, point your finger, nation state, media, politicians. Informa information operations yeah. is, is a and very full swing. full swing. And I mean, you can see it playing out in Ukraine at some level. I mean, we could we could spend a whole another hour talking about why, why did did the Russian cyber folks show up or not to the war and why not? Right. But I mean, I, I think the whole idea of like the manipulation, weaponization of information. Um, you see in the U.S. a number of number of, in the more in the a lot of it now in the tech industry, um, and, and I'm sure that not everyone will, may agree with this, um, software companies, smaller ones, mm -hmm. who may tie back to other governments. Sure. I mean, look. And, it, and so they're, they're developing the software that we're using in our election system, in our critical infrastructure. Absolutely. And why is the guy... Yeah. 10,000 miles away. Care or care. I, that, that, I, and we're at, you know, we're at mid-year elections now. And I mean, all these things are coming into play again and people are watching. Them. And it kind of goes back to like all the more reason if you're in the private sector mm -hmm. to utilize things that you and I saw when we were in the military that said, hey, now we have secure communications and we have the ability to have conversations in a secure environment. I mean, you know, all the more reason now kind of going back to the intellectual property conversation to say, why is that important? Well, because those conversations affect stock. Those conversations affect the, you know, um, information, mm -hmm. uh, you know, intellectual property. If it gets released, somebody else releases it before, or takes it, does it cheaper. I mean, so many second, third, fourth, fifth orders of effect from, you know, leakage of, of IP and info. It's a big problem. And, 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 and it's, it's, I like into a horizontal stripe. I mean, it goes across everything, whatever you do. You have this problem. As a matter of fact, I, I do a little plug as is plug yep. is that there is an intellectual property protection community. Yeah, yeah. It's although a great community. We are in the process of negotiating a name change to sensitive information because it's it's beyond just intellectual property. Yeah. That's actually it's fascinating. How what what was the aha moment that said, hey, we want to change the name? Because I, you know, I'm an old IO guy. Words mm -hmm. have meaning. So choose the proper words for what you're doing? Well, uh, as this has a, you know, membership in the community is a broad range. You might have someone in the government, someone in pharmaceutical, some in, in finance, someone in technology. Everyone has a different def definition of what intellectual property means. In some cases, it might be the legal um, you know, attorney definition. In another, another case, it might be the secret sauce to the new whatever. And the common thread was with everyone's definition was it was sensitive information. That's interesting. You know, we often think of this idea of convergence and most people kind of look at that and say, oh, that's physical and digital coming together. But convergence, you know, works here as well. The convergence of threat information and making sure to like, hey, look, let's just get in a space where we can talk about what this means to you and to me in terms of the, the risk to this information. Because we could spend a lot of time trying to figure out the definitions of what we mean and how, what is a threat, and that's going to prevent us from actually getting to the discussion of how do we now secure it. Well, it, it, you know, you really hit on something there, the, the uh, convergence. Uh, if you remember, I think it was a year or two ago, there was a um, well-publicized hack of video cameras. Oh, yeah. Right? So 
is that cyber or is that physical? But it is intellectual property. Absolutely. Uh, there's the hacks of home cameras. Yep. Um, which are right up there next to the data breach of you name it. Now, that's interesting because while people are arguing, is it physical? Is it digital? What is it? Is it digital? I think um, uh, you might hear the folks from Secure say, but at the end of the day, it's it's intellectual property. Yeah. And it, 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 and it, does, it doesn't really matter. Well, yeah. Who, I mean, who cares? Is, let's this, let's this fix it. This goes back to the internal politics yeah. of who gets the budget and who's going <laughs> to be the, the top dog. Yeah, that's and I I believe what what's your thoughts? I mean, and what's your optic over your years in this industry on convergence? Oh, it's changed quite a bit. Uh huh. Um, you know, when I started this industry again, I was I was on the physical security side. There there wasn't this well, it was nascent. You know, brand new cyber side. Uh, but as the cyber side grew, for for a very long time, there was this butting of heads between the two. You know, yeah. cyber uh, guys, we, we don't understand the physical guys. Physical guys, we don't understand the cyber guys. Not everyone's doing the same thing. Fast forward to today, we have the C CSO council here. We have a lot of people who have responsibility over both. I, I have um, friends and colleagues in, in different large corporations who have both physical and cybersecurity all in one organization. It functions a lot better that way. I think we're headed more and more in that direction. I hope we are. Uh, I do. I, I I also agree with you and hope that we will, because I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, you and I both understand that. Look, the more we argue on who owns this, the more ability and the more gap there is for something to slip through. So let's let's just get to the point where we both agree. Like I, there's a saying in the in Army I.O., everything's purple, which means joint, mm -hmm. you know, so everything's joint. So let's let's approach that from a corporate side too and say, let's just all figure out our definitions our common operating information and language, if we will, so we can get on the same picture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Don, tell me a little bit about the, uh, about you guys just had an announcement here at GSX. I'm kind of dating this. I know this will come out a couple of weeks later, but kind of a big, cool announcement from the company. Well, we we, um, we announced our, our pro new product, the Qphone. We, our press release went out on Monday morning. Qphone is um, an app, if you will, mm -hmm. a sandboxed app that could be on a, a phone or a tablet or a laptop. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to have end-to-end -end polymorphic encryption for your voice conversations, for your messaging, and for your video. And it was designed for, I, I like to say the 5%. Mm -hmm. the, the, the organizations out there who really can't afford anyone to ever hear what is being said or messages or attachments being sent. Right. So, you know, for, for example, if I'm coming up with a new vaccine or a new technology and I want to discuss it and I don't want prying ears or eyes to see it, not that anyone's doing anything nefarious, but whether it's a competitor, right. whether it might be media, a, a nation state actor, whoever that might be, um, we've seemed to have found a, a bit of a sweet spot in a lot, or at least a lot of interest in the close protection world because of the ability to be able to have those secure communications either within their own team or with their clients. Uh, the other thing I, I should mention is that as we deploy it on each organization, it's in their own private network. So there's no shared data well, that's, anywhere. That's interesting and key because then, oh well, I mean, we, we don't have to go on the implications of that, no, but I, yeah. I, I sense that 
like subtle highlight there. <laughs> um, yeah, keep myself think, out of trouble. And well, what's, I think what's fascinating about this space again is like, look, here we are. We started this conversation with a, a chuckle and a story about a Navy Intel officer with a long range camera. Mm -hmm. And we've evolved it into now we have the ability on our phones to download an app and do the best we can to have secure communication between principals, executives, whatever, so that we can do the best to protect the information that is now everywhere as opposed to just being fed to us. I mean, it, and all this in the span of probably, what, 15, 20 years. <laughs> you mean kind of, yes. <laughs> yes, and it goes back to the um, wrapping that information. So it, it doesn't matter what's being said. It doesn't matter what's being transmitted. Yep. We're just going to wrap it up and no one's going to be able to look at it. And it's not going to be somewhere that can be backed up and then, again, pop up like a whack-a-mole. Don, what scares you? Oh, a lot of things scare me. Um, but what scares me the most in this area uh -huh. is the ability to manipulate data. Yeah. The ability to manipulate people. And it, and it's, it's actually interesting. I was reading something the other day about the fall of Rome. Uh-huh. Interesting. And what was interesting was the, if you study the people, some of them were man manipulated. Yep. And some weren't. And you go through history. It's always been with us. There's always a piece of the population who wants to believe and, and part of the population who says, well, let me check this out. And the ability of other actors to recognize that sector and to manipulate them. And I think that's what we're going through and that, today. And that's actually an interesting point about, say, information operations, because there are some folks out there, and I know I'm going to get hate mail over this, like information operations is a full-on cyber thing, and it's about, but it's not. I mean, it's more. It's it's concepts. It's like you, you say, it's taking a targeted look and saying, hey, how do we just push this population to do something? How do we push somebody to do that? And it's just, you know, sometimes maybe all I want to do is create chaos. Sometimes, you know, what is the end state of my objective? How can I get Don to talk to Jane, to talk to Fred, to talk to Chuck, to get him to buy a Pepsi instead of a Diet Pepsi? You know, it. And I wish I had a solution for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Unfortunately, I don't. Yeah. Don, I, I, I'm always, I, I always feel lucky when I'm able to sit across from the mic with somebody like yourself and talk about these, these concepts. I, I'd love to explore more. I realize though we're in an environment maybe where, where uh, that, couldn't happen. So I look forward to maybe taking this offline and having a few other conversations. But how do people follow you if they they want to hear more about what you're saying and what you're following? You put out some interesting stuff. Sure. Uh, well, we're at GSX this week and we're over in Expo Booth 1051 back in the corner by the Aziz Hub. And they can also find us at globalintegrity.com. And what about you? They can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, you're pretty and, and fairly active on LinkedIn. Yeah, I think, fairly active on LinkedIn and Global Integrity is on LinkedIn. And they can also follow us at uh, Global D Secure on Twitter. Yeah, awesome. Don, thanks so much for stopping by and taking time to talk to me about all things uh, frightening. <laughs> so I think I'm going to go home and buy another, buy some extra water to put the garage tonight. <laughs> well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence, 
Learn more at ontic.co forward slash center. Again, ontic.co forward slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music track is called Monteverde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smoke and Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.co or visit ontic.co forward slash center for more information. Thank you for listening.